This is The Red Center, a podcast about The Handmaid's Tale. I'm Laura June. I'm Rose Eveleth. On today's show, we'll be talking about episode nine of The Handmaid's Tale, The Bridge, which came out this week. So if you haven't seen that yet, consider this your spoiler warning. Um, The show is about to wrap up. This is the second to last episode. So we're going to kind of talk about the episode, maybe try to make some predictions about what we think is going to happen next episode, but also maybe in season two. Um, But first, let's go to the recap. Yeah, so a lot happens in this episode, um, and I feel like it actually is a great companion piece to last week's episode. It sort of probably satisfies some complaints that people had about last week, uh, specifically with regards to Moira, because my first note for this week was we should talk about how last week Moira is like a sort of ghost, but I they are way ahead of me, and so the episode opens with a ceremony um, with Janine and her baby. Um, or off Warren and Angela. The baby's name is Charlotte, according to Janine, um, where she's giving the baby sort of ceremonially away to her um, commander and his wife. Um, And so, you know, that was like very exciting for me because I was like, oh, now we get to see what happens to a successful handmaid next. Um, And all of the handmaids, all of the other handmaids are lined up outside in the driveway waiting to uh, receive Janine. Janine sort of throws a small tantrum during the ceremony, but ultimately gives over the baby. She comes waltzing out of the house with her suitcase, seemingly fairly proud of herself. Um, And, you know, she's, you know, clearly going to be like loaded into a van with Aunt Lydia. And uh, Aunt Lydia sort of says, you know, let let her be an example to you when June asks how she's doing. Aunt Lydia gets in the van with her and... um, Uh, as all of the rest of the handmaids who've been left behind are sort of getting, you know, dispersing to walk home. Uh, June approaches another one and she says, I want to help with Mayday. And uh, the handmaid says, I don't know what you're talking about. And um, we get to see what happens to Janine next. Um, I envisioned maybe she would get murdered or or get sent to a, a, you know, some kind of um, rest home. But no, she's being sent to Daniel's house. He's another commander and her name has been changed to Off Daniel. That was rough. That was real. Like the whole the whole Janine sequence in this episode. Like I was just like Jesus. Oh, yeah, God. it's really the whole her whole arc in this episode is <sighs> really terrifying, and you just kind of want it to. I was like, oh, maybe she'll get something good. Maybe maybe she'll die, and then it just keeps sort of happening over and over again to her. Um, so then we see um, June shopping, and um, she she sort of pulled aside by the same handmaid she approached and she was like, it was, you know, the circumstances were bad. I couldn't talk to you then. I need you to go back to Jezebel's and get a package. Um, and I need you to go tonight. And June ultimately, she hems and haws, but ultimately agrees to do that. So that evening she goes into Fred's, um, man cave and study sort of she sort of transforms in this moment into what i originally interpreted as an unconvincing flirtation and ultimately realized um that she's dumbing herself down because fred is uh so beneath her intelligence level he's so stupid Um, he's really stupid and she's like i can't stop thinking about our adventure (laughs) and it's it's i have cringe written down i know Uh, Fred, fred takes the bait um, and then there's a sequence where Nick is driving them back to Jezebel's and it's a nauseating sequence where you sort of see the entire exchange of June and Fred in the back seat, uh, flirting through Nick's eyes. He's looking at them through the rear view mirror, like, Oh God, these people. 
And um, <laughs> there's a really funny exchange between uh, June <laughs> and Fred where they're like a sort of couple whispering in the back. Um, you know, June's fully in her role of like, I'm flirting with Fred now. And uh, Fred says, Nick's no fun, is he? And uh, she's like, yeah, he just needs to chill. And Fred's like, Nick, you just need to chill, man. It was so bad. I was like, so Jesus Christ. But when they arrive at Jezebel's, uh, her plan is sort of foiled. Fred wants to just go to the room and fuck. She's supposed to get a package <laughs> from somebody at the bar. That's yes. like the main She's thing. supposed to meet a girl named Rachel at the bar. Fred just wants to go upstairs and make love to his woman. And... Um, <laughs> Then it sort of cuts to Serena Joy, uh, sadly alone at home in her room sewing. And you find that, you know, she opens up sort of a hope chest and it has like baby booties and a baby blanket. And you see that she's at home alone, sort of wishing for her miracle. Um, and, uh, then she heads to the kitchen to get, uh, some booze and the maid catches her and the maid says, I thought the command the man, the commander came home hungry. I'm sorry, and she's like, "Oh, he's in his office." And then they have a drink together, um, and it's a little um, it's a little awkward, but also kind of I don't know. They're two sort of underdeveloped characters that you kind of can't get a handle on, and I feel like they're I don't, I'm not sure what they're what they're doing with the scene. I think but it's just generally like women sort of like in the kitchen drinking together, like kind of yeah. like conspiring. Like and I think they're supposed to like about- planting the seeds of like Serena Joy slowly kind of like yes. hearing about these people. And like I think it's supposed to kind of be like this like in, you know, like women women's things. Like they're yes. like, ooh, they're talking over a drink. Yes. And yeah. And they're commiserating. The maid talks about her son who died when he was 19 in the war. Um, and then it flashes. It's, it sort of uh, shuttles back to Janine. Um, with her new commander and uh, the commander's wife. And she's this overly nice, come like, get up on the bed. They're ready for their ceremony, you know, their first ceremony. She's like, get up on the bed. You know, it's fine. You can just scooch over here close to me. We're all in this together. Everybody's nervous. And then the commander comes in and like, it's clearly, um, it's sort of the most rapey rape scene that we've seen. Uh, Janine sort of protests. She's crying. She says, no, I don't want this. Um, and ultimately, uh, she freaks out um, and gets up and is like, get the fuck off of me and crouches into a corner and starts talking about Warren, her previous commander, and how he's coming to get her. So she loses her shit. Uh, we flick, And it's sort of nicely composed with uh, Fred pumping June, <laughs> also a rape where she's, you know. Yeah. And um, sort of two back-to-back rape scenes. He's like, did you like that? Oh, my God. That and was she's like, like I did. did. And he's like, you can be free here. And she's like, thanks. That's Great. good to know. Good to know for next time. I just thought the line, you can be free, is really something else. I just like, he rolls off her. And then the way he just says, did you like that? I was like, holy shit, you are the least sexy yeah. person. Like, it's amazing how they have taken a very attractive actor and made him like so really unattractive. Yeah. <laughs> like, horrible. I had, a thought, I had a thought watching it that, he, you know, um, he, he would make a great joker. Um, yeah. So so then Fred sort of reveals that he believes that, you know, the reason June wanted to come back is because she had she there was someone she wanted to see. There's a sort of awful and also great moment where he brings Moira back in. Um, Moira seems very upset. It seems like Fred uh, believed that maybe they were like sexually engaged, like attracted to one another or friends that like had had sex and. Uh, June's like, it's not like that. And he's like, well, I'm just going to go shower and you guys could talk for a little bit. And he's like, you know, you know chill out. Like, I got you a present. Um, and Moira flips out. She's like, what the fuck are you doing back here? And um, we get a short scene of Nick back in the kitchen. Um, 
with the uh, cook from from last week. He's sort of digging around for info about Waterford, uh, which seems like part of his job. But then he asks about about the handmaid. Um, and then that's a very short scene, but it, it flips pretty much back to um, this conversation, this argument that June and Moira have, which is sort of the climax of of the episode. Um, uh, uh, June tells Moira that she is back because uh, she's supposed to pick up this package. Um, she can't do it clearly. She asks Moira to do it. Moira says no. Uh, she says basically, go home, do whatever they tell you to do. We're done. And then June freaks out and says, look, you gave me hope. Um, you're the one who said we would find our daughter. And she was like, and I think that you will. And she was like, no, you said we. And we're in this together. And Moira huffs off and she leaves. And June um, is, you know, goes home in the car with Fred completely – I think, uh, deflated, feeling like a failure because she's had this horrible conversation with Moira and also failed to get the package. Um, Fred calls her Moira a degenerate, which is disgusting. He really reveals his real self. Um, Serena Joy is awake when they come home, but she doesn't really discover anything. Um, Fred talks to her and tells her basically go back to go back to bed. June um, falls asleep and has a, a, a sort of flashback dream, um, which involves Luke and Moira and her daughter. And then she's sort of abruptly awoken by Serena Joy. She's like, get up. You need to get dressed. And that's where the bridge comes in. Um, there, she's driven to the bridge. Aunt Lydia is there. Serena Joy is there. Fred is there. And so is uh, Warren and Warren's wife. And Nick and June- for some reason. Nick is in the background. I think he must have driven them. But he didn't. I like they showed up. Oh, um, right. Anyway, we don't. Have time. He is they, in the background. He's there. <laughs> he's definitely there. He's everywhere. He's an eye. Right. Um, and Janine is standing on a bridge, um, holding her baby, Angela, Charlotte, also known as Charlotte. <laughs> and um, they send in June against the protests of Warren and his wife, uh, Serena, and Fred. Sort of say on her behalf that she should try. This is clearly Aunt Lydia's idea. Um, and June has a long conversation with Janine, um, where she says, look, everything's going to go back to normal. We can go out drinking, we can have parties, um, just to try to talk her down. And it's really awful because this, you know, this, oh, you have this overwhelming sense of like, what is she talking her down for? Because I kept thinking, I kept thinking as soon as she gives the baby away, they're going to shoot her or hang her or you know, whatever, there's constantly this tension with how valuable are these women versus how easily disposable are they? Um, and Janine, you know, it's so clear she's not going to not jump off the bridge. Yeah. But, um, you know, ultimately she she gives the baby to June and says, please take care of her. And then she jumps. Uh, but she's been standing up there for a while. So at first you think, well, she's She's done, and you kind of almost feel relieved for her, but there's a boat there waiting to fish her out immediately. And um, June is left. There's a really crazy shot there uh, where Janine has jumped off, and it sort of slow-mos and gets very quiet, and June is just standing there alone on the bridge with the baby. Everyone sort of deserts her, um, and eventually Warren's wife comes and takes away the baby, and then June's just standing there alone. But Janine is not dead. <laughs> I was we like, a, God, let this woman yes, die. Like, we get a <laughs> shot of her um, in a very white hospital room in a bed. Aunt Lydia is standing next to her. She calls her a stupid, stupid girl. I thought that was the end of the episode. 
No. It is not. <laughs> Serena Joy has a shitty conversation with Warren's wife where she was like, I don't need your help. Uh, you they do a out- really good job of making Warren's wife seem like the worst. Like she's yes. bad at taking care of the kid. Yeah. She's the bitch. She's like yep. just awful. Yeah. And she hated Janine. Um, though Janine was, you know, pretty troubling at times, I think. Um, she's like, I don't need your help. Uh, you should look after your own husband. We all know what happened with the last handmaid. This sets off Serena Joy and she decides to, um, you know, haul ass back to the house and uh, open up Fred's man cave and see what she finds in there. And um, June gets the package at the butcher shop. This is sort of the last uh, gasp of the episode, and it's quite a gasp. The, uh, she goes to the butcher shop to pick up some meat, and instead of one package of meat, she's handed two. And it looks like she's opening the package when she gets off into a loan in a corner, but what she's doing is there's a note on it, and the package is from Moira. Um, Moira's like... I got it, bitch. Here you go. And um, <laughs> the last scene <laughs> is um, Moira in a bathroom and a man calling for her saying, can you, can, you, can you hurry up? And she's like, yeah, I'm coming right out. She pulls a shank out of the toilet or some part of the toilet. And uh, the last thing we see is Moira dressed as a driver, uh, all in black with a hat on, uh, blood on her hands. She's clearly killed or maimed someone, and she's taken off in a big truck. And yes. that is the end. So I think it's really satisfying for a lot of people um, to see that Moira, it's so interesting to see the way the show is uh, extending the characters beyond their, their book narratives. Um, they've done it with most of the characters, even the very minor ones. But Moira, I think, is particularly, I really thought maybe that last episode was the last we were going to see of her. In hindsight, I feel very stupid for feeling that way, but... <laughs> Um, but I, I was surprised when she showed up in the hotel room that when Fred had procured her and I was really surprised at the end. Um, so what do you think? I wasn't surprised when, as soon as I found out they were going to back to Jezebel's, I was like, okay, we're going to get some more Moira just cause like, I think, I think that was, that made sense. Cause it's two days later and she lived there. (laughs) Right. And like, right. Yeah. Um, but the, the, that last bit where she pulls the, the piece out of the the toilet, which is directly from the book and from something we saw earlier, right? When they yeah. were in the bathroom, that's how they escaped from the Red Center. Um, and to see her just like, cause you know, you have this sort of like parallel scene from last week where they have this conversation. It's kind of similar where it's like, you know, June is saying like, come on, like, w- like we're going to get out of this. And, and Moira was like, no, we're not like, you know, like everybody for themselves, like I'm doing what I can do. Like, just give up, just do whatever, do what you, they say to do. Like you kind of get that scene again, almost in this one. Yes. And part of me, when I was watching it, I was like, all right, we already know this. Like, why are you making us go through this like disappointment again of Moira? Um, and then, you know, to have her come back and, and get that package. And, um, and I, I kind of figured that Moira would be back because, you know, and partially just because she's like, she posted about, like, season two of the, like, the show, you know? So right. it's like, I figured, like, the actress was, like, in it, you know? <laughs> like, whatever. But um, but I wasn't sure how. Like, I wasn't sure, you know, like, in what capacity. And to have her kind of, like, rear back up as this sort of hero that we all kind of want her to be um, is, is really nice. I mean, like, I think yeah. in some ways, like, it's maybe... I don't know. It's not disappointing. I'm I'm super stoked to have Moira back. I think she's great. I love the actress. Like I'm all about having more of her. But I also was kind of like I feel like it would have been more like impactful to have her actually give up and have June actually be alone. Um, but I don't think that I actually want that. I just think that like in terms of like the narrative structure there, like to have 
the character, like, who you thought was going to be the hero, kind of, like, not literally die, but kind of die in front of you um, as your sort of hope and have June be by herself would be a really interesting way to go. Um, I think but it'd be I am really interesting glad if Moira, like, it. gets out. Yeah. Right? Like, if she gets out, if she, because now, who knows what she could do in this truck, right? Right. I mean, presumably, it gives her access to, I mean... I don't know. I don't want to make any predictions about that particular piece, but I think it would be interesting if she got out. And I mean, that would present us with sort of the same scenario, which is that June is basically alone and doesn't know what happens to Moira, but we might be privy to the fact that, that she has escaped. Right. And I mean, we have, I mean, it only ends one way. Either she's going to get out or she's going to be killed. Right. Exactly. And I think both, I honestly like, I could see them doing both. Right. Like so far we actually haven't lost any really main characters. We sort of lose Emily a little bit like you know she's not dead maybe we don't know she's dragged off after that car thing where she drives over people i assume they kill her but um we don't oh, really I know i think she's coming back um, i i believe if they were going to kill her they would have done it on screen though you know she may be on the wall next episode you know right there's that right we so haven't actually we haven't- ever experienced this feeling of someone being on the wall that we recognize. Right. And we haven't really, like, none of the characters that we know have have died yet, right? And, like, not to say that they have to kill anybody, but, like, often that is a thing that happens in shows. That, like, some character that you're really invested in, like, doesn't make it. Um, I, do I mean, I guess you get that, that a little next, bit. I, I think that next week probably someone is going to die. Yeah. I think that we have to, I mean, like, A, they're already setting up a bunch of cliffhangers to have at the end of the last episode. So next episode right. is the last episode. And so I think yeah. we're seeing them kind of set up the sort of engine to make us want to come back for season two. They're setting up all these open questions. You know, maybe right. the question is like, what's in the package? Maybe the question is like, what's Moira doing or whatever. But I think there's going to be more of those. Um, but I also think that somebody, I mean, in this world where people are killed all the time, somebody that we care about is going to die. And like that, that I think it just kind of has to happen. Um, and I don't know how it's going to happen, right? Like, I don't know if we see that similar scene where, like, we saw Emily's partner get strung up on that crane, which I thought was, like, in- incredibly effective and horrible. Um, or right. whether we, like, see it sort of in a on the wall or we see, you know, something else like that. I mean, I don't know. I think – but I do think that, like, to kind of make this a season finale feel like a big season finale, I do feel like we'll have somebody die and there'll be a lot of questions that we won't have answered for the next season. Right. Um and yeah, I mean, like, also, like, we say this every episode, we still haven't seen anything really about the daughter. <laughs> like, That's, I, I mean, that, that, that I believe is, is there will be some kind of carrot dangled next week, I hope. Um, I do think there will be. I think that they have, you know, motherhood is a, is a, is a theme that really hinges through the book and I think maybe I've said this before and maybe I haven't but you know the first time I've read The Handmaid's Tale twice the first time I read it um before I had a child so maybe 10 years ago or something the second time I read it I I had one and my my reading of it was basically only different in that I noticed that the framework of the of the book really is held together by the fact of her child. Um, I, I kind of glossed over it the first time I read it. There were so many other things going on that I, I kind of thought, I focused more on her personal circumstances rather than this constant return to her internal musings and fears and desperation for her daughter. That part to me was less horrific than the rapes and the violence. And I think that now... As a person with a child, I realize that all of that stuff 
is sort of secondary for her. And she, she makes that point in this episode really well. And I think that it's, they've done a very good job as the season has worn on of just pinging us back on that a lot, where as soon as you're about to forget it, there's some, I mean, in this episode, it was a minute dream sequence flashback of her daughter and um, Moira and Luke on the beach. And it was almost like reality when it like, when her reality seeps back in, it's because like Serena Joy is waking her up going like, get up, get up, get up. And, and her dream world is clearly so much more satisfying to see. And so it's one minute section of the episode and very minor, but I think that they're reminding us that this is, you know, and then her conversation with Moira, of course, is all about her daughter. So we she says forget. it to Janine too on the wall. She says, I can't yes. come with you because I have, I have to find my daughter. And like right. that I thought was really like, cause part of me was like, yeah, both of you just jump off the fucking bridge. Like, I mean, it's like your life. It's, I mean, right. I'm not advocating for it's suicide a compelling ever, choice. but I Correct. could totally see why this is a choice, right? Like, and that moment when Janine says, you know, she's like trying to allure her with, or trying to lure her with all of the like, oh, we're going to go drinking. We're going to go to karaoke. We'll go dancing. And Janine has that moment where she's taken by it. And then she says, well, who would want to dance with me? Because she's been, like, disfigured by these people. And, like, she's so she's so scarred, like, internally and externally. And I just thought that was, like, heartbreaking. Because she doesn't have a, sen- a sense of self-worth anymore. And it's not, I don't think, just because of, like, any sort of facial disconfiguration. It's, like, that she has literally been told that she is an object. And there is, like, she's not a valuable entity, really. Even though right. they do all of this song and dance about how valuable you are as a flower and this and that. Like, it's so clear that it doesn't actually matter. Right. And I think that in that moment where where June says, I can't come with you, you know, what she's saying literally is, you know, when when you have a child, your own safety and well-being becomes quite secondary to the safety and well-being of her child. So she needs to stay alive. Even if her daughter is dead, she just doesn't know yet. And while she can stay alive, she she needs to, right? She feels that she needs to. She feels still primarily driven by her instinct as a mother, as a parent to, um, to continue. And so, you know, that scene played out pretty much like I expected it to. I didn't, I didn't, it's very, very rare for a television show to kill a baby. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, though I wouldn't put it past this one for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I did sort of, as I was like going through the scenarios in my head, I was like, she's, going to give the baby to June and then either be shot immediately or she's going to jump. Um, I'm glad she wasn't shot. I think that her jumping is, you know, it occurred to me as I was watching the episode, you're looking at different, all of these women are standing on the edge of something, right? Like literally she's standing on a bridge, but June has made this decision, but hasn't actually had taken any real action yet into some resistance movement of of which she knows almost nothing. Um, it is nebulous. She doesn't know if the package contains a bomb. She doesn't know if it contains a dildo. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't know <laughs> what is in there. And she also doesn't really know if that effort is in vain, if it is part of uh, an effort to figure out who the moles are, right? Like she knows nothing about it other than that she's desperate to do something to change her circumstance and to get out. And I think that for all of, I've read some criticism of the past few episodes, partly because I think um, 
There was one in the New York Times, which I found to be uh, right on in terms of emotion, but just in my interpretation of it has been a little bit different, which is that the last two episodes have, have focused on, on, on Luke and um, uh, Nick rather than the much sort of more compelling characters of like of Moira or someone else. But I think that, you know, people would love to see Moira flashbacks or what's Moira's life like now. I think that part of the reason Moira is sketched so, and this is also true in the book, is that she's so full of life in, in June's head. And then when she's in, 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 in the red center, but when she sees her here, she's, she is a catalyst for June. Her giving up happens at the exact moment where June's like, fuck it. No, I'm out. I'm getting out. I'm figuring this out. And that also happens sort of at the same time as Luke. I think with Nick, uh, we talked like extensively about why they would do a Nick flashback, but I do understand some frustration in a show that is ostensibly about women to have sort of two back-to-back man flashbacks. Um, yeah. the, the Luke episode, I, I've, I really have loved the last couple of, I mean, I really have loved the last chunk of episodes. Um, so much. So I think that for me, it, it kind of makes sense. I, I do understand, but I do think that Moira is, um, it's, she's so effective in her absence, which is very unsatisfying, I think to the viewer, but the little that we get of her is so important to June. It's so clear now, um, in their conversations, their current day conversations, how much she means to her and how much her, fire and cynicism and fuck it attitude has meant to June in her absence in these months where she's been a prisoner. Um, but yeah, so they're all sort of on the edge of, you know, they're all in their own sort of prisons, but they're all about to make a change. Right. And, um, June's going to make hers in her sort of, um, normal, very, uh, baby steps kind of way. And Janine and Moira both break. Um, in different, in different ways. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Janine's making it out of this season alive. I really don't. Um, I was hoping maybe Aunt Lydia would give her a little morphine relief or something, but you know, it's just, um, I've never actually, I think, yeah, I just have so much worry for her (laughs) as a character. Yeah. Yeah. You sent me that, um, that New York Times article and I've been thinking about it a little bit because I think what you're saying about Moira is exactly right. And it's it's so much more clear in the book, but I do think that's what they're pulling from in the show, which is that, like, Moira's energy is something that keeps June going throughout the entire book. And a lot of the time, she will have these moments where she thinks to herself, basically, what would Moira do? Yeah. Or she compares herself to Moira, where she says, you know, oh, well, Mostly like, unfavorably, right? Like, right, I'm not, exactly. not as good as her. Right. No. Moira would be would figure out a way out of this. I'm just, like, this lazy sort of, like, un- unintelligent, or not even unintelligent, but sort of, like, unmotivated or maybe not ballsy enough or whatever it is. And she has these moments in the book where she says, you know, if Moira were here, she would do X, you know, or she would say X, or she would have this witty comeback, or she would do this or that. And it's sort of this, her absence and her sort of... um her like energy and her legacy and like sort of this imagined character almost that June has come up with for her are a thing that propelled June forward in the book. And I think that's what they're pulling on here. But I also think, and I was thinking about this sort of question, which I think is a fair one to ask, which is, you know, why are men getting the backstories and and women aren't as much in this show? And I think that 
Part of it also, I think, to me, sort of comes down to, and this is, again, something that is fleshed out a little bit more sort of specifically, and she sort of puts more of a button on it in the book, but men are allowed to have a backstory in this world, and women are not, right? Like, the women, these handmaids, you know, they're not allowed to use their old names. They are not allowed to talk about their old lives. They are not allowed to have a backstory, right? right? And I think that, like, part of this is in some way an intentional play to that, where Nick is allowed to have a place where he's from, a backstory to where he came from and how he got into this. You know, Fred's allowed to have his sort of whole legacy of how he rose to this rank as commander. Right. But even, even Serena, Serena Joy, even her flashback is, right. is, is really only in context to him. Right. And even her, you know, she's no longer the thing she was. She's no longer this writer and activist and sort of like thinker, right? She's a wife now. The women in this world in Gilead cannot have a backstory. They have been, that has been taken away from them. And that is such a big part of, in the book, and I think the show, sort of what makes... It's so inhumane where you're literally you're taking someone's humanity away from them by taking away who they were and you're making them into whoever you want them to be. And, you know, you see that with Janine and and talking about her old child and her new child and sort of like then ripping that baby away and giving her something else and taking a different name where she's not even supposed to remember them anymore. That The women in this world don't get to have those sorts of flashbacks and those stories. Obviously, we need that from June because otherwise we don't know what the fuck is going on. And we right. need some kind of backstory. So we need some of it. I don't think they could do it without but even, it. But even most of her backstory is, it's like plot exposition, right? It's not. Right, it's necessary. Yes. It's not even character development, barely. We, we really barely, there's none in the book. And there's very little character development of June in the show. Right. I mean, there is in, cur- in her current character, I feel like we know her very well. In her previous life, it's all about how she knew Moira, how she knew Luke, how she knew her daughter, and then what the fuck happened before. Right, and exactly. Really, how did all there's the not a lot jobs? of... You hear she was a book editor. There's no real sense of, like, anything she did or thought or whatever. So I think with... And and, and the backstories are all a means to an end, but I think... I, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I think you're totally right. I think that... And thinking back to the sort of Serena Joy flashback, it... It really was just as much about Fred, right, um, and 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 their relationship. It wasn't— Well, and the slow erasure of her backstory, right, where she's, like, slowly removed from those rooms. She's not allowed to go right. in and give her speech. Like, it, we sort of saw Fred kind of consume her story and her identity. Right. And I think that at the end of last episode, they— uh, they pulled some quotes directly from the book, which is her— breaking the wall down and saying like, well, I'm talking, so I must be talking to someone, which is a really beautiful, haunting moment um, throughout the book, which is where she sort of says, I guess if I'm saying this, then maybe there's someone listening. Um, And I think that that is like this attempt for her to, to take control of her own story. I mean, and it's not just a, you know, an easy way of explaining why 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 a woman is is telling a narrative right it's it's more about her taking control of it and saying oh i guess i guess i have been just sort of silently narrating this all in my head so maybe there's a reason for that um maybe there is someone out there to hear what i'm saying maybe i'm talking to a specific person or a general audience or a million people on Hulu. <laughs> um, I mean, like, it, it's, I think that's a really interesting thing to to pull out because I like that moment in the book too. But I was also, you know, when you think about it in the context of both a book and a television show, you don't have to, as a creator of either of those things, explicitly justify who your narrator is or who your point of view no. is, right? I mean, you don't book, have to do that. 
especially well, in a that, TV show. He makes a point. Right, exactly. Um, almost no one does it, right? Um, I was sitting here trying to think of other examples of it. I'm sure there are lots of them, but plenty of narratives exist where they're not self-aware of the fact that they're telling a narrative. Or if they are self-aware, they don't comment upon it. Um, But that was always something that I thought Atwood was very smart about. I I believe she does it in um, maybe in The Blind Assassin as well. It's clear that it's, it's some sort of poetic device that she finds useful and I think it she makes really good use of it in the in the handmaid's tale it's like sort of brilliant because um you know at the end you sort of find out that uh, the tale that we're looking at is is a is like a, basically a physical document right so right. it it ties together very well but I think that in the context of the show for sure they did not have to carry that over the 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 voiceovers i i always expected them to because they're so much a part of the book but there's plenty of shows with voiceovers that never really address the viewer or even wonder if there's a viewer out there right i mean i will say that like i love the voiceovers and i i wish there were actually more of yeah, them me too um just because and and one critique that i saw of the show i think it was like i don't think this was in like a piece but like somebody i, I know on facebook was complaining about it where she was like this is so stupid because in the like you know basically saying that like june gets away with all of these things that in the book she would just never get away with like she does all this stuff and she talks to people and she like does things that she would just never get away with in the book and i i get that but like you have to make a television show. Like you have to have them doing right. things and like saying things. Otherwise, even it just doesn't in a, work. Even in a three or four hour miniseries, she would have to have license to explore because otherwise we wouldn't see anything. Right. Um, and the but world think, wouldn't be built in any way. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like I like I think that like I generally also like I understand that people love the book, but like this is not the book. It's similar to the book, but it's right. not going to be the same thing. And I think people just have to kind of accept that. But um, the the thing that I was sort of thinking about with that is that, you know, one of the things that I do sort of wish there was a little bit more of that we get a lot of in the book is the sort of like paranoia about who might be watching. And they do yes. it really effectively in that first episode where like at the end of that first episode, Emily tells June there's an eye in your house. And then you have this scene where she's like looking at everybody and she doesn't know who to trust and this and that. And that has kind of fallen away a little bit. Yeah. And it falls away in the book, but it, they make a very specific point about it. And and she sort of says, you know, this is reckless. This is stupid. And, I'm, you know, people fall into routines and they sort of get used to things and they forget that they are constantly being watched. But there are some things that, you know, I do wish there was a little bit more of that in the show where, like, she sort of is so quick to trust and so quick to, like, talk to people and do things and sort of kind of assume that things will be okay in a way that I almost wish there was a little bit more of that, like, in the book, they make such a point over and over again about how you never know who you can trust and everything is a bargain and every conversation is sort of right. a, like a chess match where you're going back and forth and you have to make sure you say the right thing and you have to look at them and see if they're doing the thing. And there isn't – I know that that's hard to do in TV and I don't need it to be like the main driver of the show, but I do wish there was a little bit more of it in this because yeah. it does sort of feel like we have – you know, we have the wall. We know that people can get killed. We've seen people get like taken away in the black van. I mean in this episode – um, Warren gets taken off. Oh, and right. I didn't we mention don't that. That's know what's that, going to happen to yeah. him. Um, and Serena Joy has this like very awkward conversation with um, the Warren's wife. Um, and she's like, well, maybe he'll just get like a punishment. He won't get killed, basically. Right. Um, and so we know that like there are all these punishments for things that people are always watching, but we also sort of see characters do things and, and seem to almost forget that fact. 
Um, yeah. And I understand that it's a balance because you can't have characters be like suffocating under the weight of of fear and such that they don't do anything because that's not good television. There's no plot if they don't right. do anything. But I do kind of wish and I do feel like the voiceover does a good job of that where she can kind of say like, this is a trick. Should I like right. trust this person? I wish there was a little bit more of that. But I'm also a total sucker for that kind of voiceover and like also breaking the third wall. I love that kind of stuff. So like that's just Me my too. personal aesthetic. Uh, yeah, I think that um, where I have felt that what you're describing just a little bit is she in the book in particular the her her dealings with Fred are um subject of a lot of anxiety for her 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 private dealings with Fred it's clear that we're leading to a point where Serena Joy is either going to find out or assume but Serena Joy is sort of the least of the problem, right? She's subservient to Fred. I guess she could tell on him, but what good would that really do her? Um, I think that another area, one area where I feel like they've been pretty good with it is with the entire character of Nick. And that's partially because of, oh, it's probably totally because of his occupation. Um, He's an eye. His entire job is to spy on the person that he pretends to work for, but actually does not work for. He actually works for the government, which is an interesting um, sort of irony within that, in that, you know, I think that that June knows it too. I think that's the reason she talks down to Fred and talks to him like he's kind of a child because I think she's aware of the something that no one else in the house is aware of, which is that really in that house, Nick is the person with power. It doesn't mean he can't be killed or, you know, demoted or sent to the wall. The girl in the kitchen makes mention of it. She was like, you know, you shouldn't be asking around about the handmaid if you're, because She's like, are you into her or is that is that the reason you're asking questions? And then she's sort of like, well, you don't want to end up on a wall. But we know that Nick is um, pretty powerful in, in his job, right? Because his entire job is to be duplicitous and to tell on people and to find out information. And we don't know what he knows. What does he know? Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about how you feel about Nick in this episode because, like, by the end of it, my like notes were just like Nick, lots of question marks. Where I'm like, what is going on with him? I mean, I do think that la- the you know when he cut the relationship, but you know the this episode where June is sort of flirting disgustingly with Fred to get what she wants has dovetailed really nicely with the fact that she basically got dumped by Nick last week, um, and seems like now this sort of fits in nicely with some, you know, other normal world scenario where she might be trying to make him jealous by flirting with somebody else. But instead it's this gross scenario where we're aware that she hates Fred. Um, We're aware that she knows that Nick is a spy. We're aware that she's aware that, you know, Nick knows that June is not into Fred, presumably. Right. So he knows she's up to no good. He's probably worried about her, but maybe he's going to tell on her. Who knows? And so I think that we are coming to a point with that because part of his job, for sure, in his job would be to stop whatever the fuck she's trying to do with the package and all that stuff. Um, But he's very ambiguous, and he's an ambiguous character in the book, and he is the the main... um, 
driver of the ambiguous ending of the book. And I think that um, he's been intentionally ambiguous this entire time. And he's also um, the most sympathetic male character in her Aside world. from Luke. Yeah. In her current world, right? right? In like, Luke yeah. is Luke is very sympathetic because he's not murdering people or <laughs> spying on people, but he's the just bar like, is low. The bar is so low. <laughs> he's up in Canada complaining about coffee. Um, you know, I think um, it just reminded me that I got an email from a man last week about um, our complaining about Luke. They said I didn't give him enough credit, um, and that I'm he did so try. Shocked. He did try really hard. Um, and I'm not making fun of the person for emailing me. I've actually meant to respond to him. I, I feel like we are a little hard on men um, on this podcast, but you know, I think <laughs> I don't know how you can watch an hour of The Handmaid's Tale and not reason. be hard on men. Yeah, I mean, men in reality kind of stink, um, but men in this reality, this Handmaid's Tale reality, um, you know, Nick is sympathetic. And, you know, he June thinks he's hot, but he's not that sympathetic. He's, he's not helping her. He's 100% not helping her. He's 100% um, an enabler of this world. He has been around since the beginning. Um, he was there when the plans were laid for the creation of the role of the handmaid. Um, and when I learned that, I felt very turned off by him. You know, I feel like, what the show has been very good at is showing us how people are enablers, how they're duplicitous, how they're complicit and how they're, you know, just sort of being complicit and rolling with the punches in order to keep your, uh, either your little piece of the universe rolling along or to stay alive is, is is what sort of makes the wheels turn for stuff like this. But I think that my main criticism of Nick is he did this to get a job. Right. He was never threatened with death as far as we know. Luke, uh, yeah, no, I think he Luke just couldn't was get almost a job killed at every opportunity. Um, many of the other people in the circumstances they have now found themselves in are there only at the threat of death. Nick seems to have walked into this with wide open eyes because he's uh, like, uh, he's like, um, you're like a Dashiell Hammett, Hammett character or something. He's like, <laughs> he's like a man in a black coat who's mysterious and you don't know anything about it and he's just looking out for number one. Um, yeah. Right. Nick is out for Nick. Nick does not give a shit about anybody else. Right. Which But I think maybe is June a- will turn him, which is like the cliche thing I hope they don't do. Well, it would lead me to making a prediction, which I think, you know, um, it's not really a prediction because it happens uh, in the book. But I think that um, where do you think where do you think we're going next week? Let's talk about it. This is a good question. Yeah. Predictions for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, like, I thought I kind of had my handle on this episode. And then the last like two minutes, I was like, I oh, know. Okay. <laughs> um, it kind I don't of is think... the same feeling you got whenever, um, what is Ofgun's name? Emily. Emily. Whenever Emily took the car, you're like, fuck, yes. Finally. There are so few moments of joy um, that I felt the same feeling um, when I saw Moira in the truck. 
So I think, I don't know that we see Moira next episode. I think they might leave or give us a tiny bit of it. I think they might do the same thing they did last time with Moira where they kind of give us this thing and then they like drop it for a while. Yeah. Um, I do, do think, think in the gonna... next episode, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask if you think we're going to see Luke again. I don't think so. Okay. I think they gave us Luke. I think if we do, it's going to be like a super tiny little bit. Cut. I don't think it's yeah. going to be, I don't think he's going to get his whole like little segment. So you don't um, think that nothing, anything else is going to come from the outside world? No, I do. So okay. there's a moment, I don't want to give it away. There's a moment in the book that we haven't had yet where Serena Joy gives June something. Oh, right. And yes. I am like, I think that's going to happen. In the next episode, and I don't want to say what it is because I don't want to like spoil anything for anybody. I agree. But I think that I, that's I, like I a huge moment. Of that. I actually thought it was happening last week when she gave her. I know with the box. Yeah, and I've wondered if yeah, it's in there. Too. Yeah, yeah. I still wonder if it's like in the bottom of that and she finds it or something. But I do think like something a lot like within that universe of that little story within the book happens. In the next episode, mm-hmm. I know this is like probably infuriating for people listening to be like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? But I, I think it's worth not spoiling it because I think if they do it right, and I, I suspect they will because I have faith in them, it's going to be um, really great. So I think that's going to happen. Um, I do think somebody dies. And I, I don't know who it is. I think it's Janine probably. Yeah. Um, just because I think like, and it's part of me like, sounds really horrible, but part of me kind of like wants her to like, just let her like. Go. Like, I don't know. Like, this is, I don't know how to say this in a way that isn't like horrible, but like, she's been through so much and she clearly just like wants to let it go and she, they just like will not let her die. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want her to like be released from all of this like horrible pain that I'm sure she's feeling. I mean, it yes. just like, I don't know. Um, I also think we're going to see a little bit of Serena Joy getting more radicalized. I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to see her turn entirely, but I do think they're going to plant a pretty hard pin in that to yeah. say like, Serena Joy is not happy. With what's going on. Yeah. And I think we're going to get a little bit more of that. So those are I my just want to say really week. quickly. Yeah. She, I've had a real turnaround on her and over the, I know that that's intentional and I'm, I've fallen for it very hard. Um, but as I think brilliantly, the show sort of started out with this view of like Fred and Serena Joy as as Fred seemed kind of, even though you knew he wasn't, he seemed kind of like the cool one in the marriage and she seemed like a bitch. And now it has turned where Fred is literally the Joker and he's awful. And I mean, we always knew that that was true, but he sort of allowed himself to flower as she's gotten to know him better. He's revealed himself to be a monster and yeah, there was. Go ahead. And Serena Joy is, um, is developing as a character. Yeah. I think that she is progressing the same way that June is progressing, and I'm very compelled by that. I think that within this world, um, they're the two people who are striving for something. They're reaching for something, and I think that it's partially born of her um, clear desire for a baby, but. They're on separate but obviously intermingled trajectories. And I think that, yeah, I think she's going to be developed a lot next season. And so I don't know what it's going to be. There's another thing that happens towards at the end of the book, um, which I'm not going to spoil, but I think has been been, um, alluded to and is certainly very present throughout the show. And I think that... um, It'll just be interesting to see if they if they if they go for it or if they 
if they don't go for it quite yet. Yeah. I think the last the last thing I want to end on is, and I don't think this is going to be answerable next week either. I mean, I kind of forgot about Aunt Lydia, and in the I Aunt know, Lydia, yeah. in the, Aunt Lydia in the last probably four or five episodes has also. I mean, part of her job is to be like sort of motherly to them in certain scenarios. And certainly she has a clearly a special affection for Janine, who is the most problematic handmaid that they've developed. Um, and she talks to her like she's like a four-year-old. I don't find it particularly like convincing as because I yeah. do feel like her entire job is to turn these women into the broken messes that they're now trying to clean up. But do you think... She's brilliant, by the way. She's also uh, the same actress is in The Leftovers, which I just completed, and she's amazing in that as well. Um, do you think she's going to ever have like a turn? I don't know. I I'm conflicted about this because I think in the book, Aunt Lydia is like so much more one dimensionally bad. Like she's mm-hmm. just like she's so evil. She like oozes evil from like every pore yeah. of her body. And like they talk about her voice and like the way that she talks and like all this stuff. Um and so I think it's it, you know, it's hard for me sometimes, you know, being like seeing her and then having her sort of have this affection and my gut is still just like do not trust that woman. Like that woman is not to be trusted, you know. Almost more than Serena Joy. Like all, you know, there's just this like thing about her. And I do think that in the in the show, they've made her a lot more sympathetic than oh, she yeah. is in the book. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I get it because, like, I think that, you know, in that role, you know, you probably would want somebody who's kind of like a hard but firm, like motherly, but also like abusive, like Munchausen's lady person, yeah. basically. She's like a um, nun. Right. But like a like a mean nun. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of me kind of does want her to sort of be bad. Not necessarily because that's what the book says, but because if we turn Serena into, like, a sympathetic character, I do think that then, like... I mean, Fred is obviously a villain, but, like, he's also, like, kind of an uninteresting one. And he's very one-dimensional. He's very predictable. He's kind of boring, like we've talked about. You know, he's just sort of like, of course he's bad, right? It just feels like he's so generic as a villain that like you almost kind of you know he's kind of an idiot like you know he's just like he's just not that interesting the villain is like the system that they've set up and we've yet to meet we've yet to meet like the true architects of that system i feel like fred was he's in on the ground floor he's definitely really highly placed but if there are more if there's another layer and there clearly is we see nick sort of outside the building a lot um there's clearly another layer and i think that i think that we're we're probably going to see them next yeah. season as well. I do think that it's possible we're going to see Fred getting fucking in trouble uh, very soon. Oh, I my one of my predictions is that Fred dies next episode. Um, oh, my God. I think, <laughs> I think because so we saw Nick. Nick works for that guy, whatever that guy's name is, that he like met at that, you know, right. job the, center. Yeah. That guy, I think, is the ultra villain in this show. He clearly like knows exactly what's going on. And doesn't give a fuck about any of the actual religious stuff, but, like, just wants power, it seems like, or just wants to kind of, like, whatever. He, I think we're going to see a lot more of him. And I think that in the next episode, I think Fred dies. Um, You do, Billy? That's probably wrong, but, like, There's no way Fred's dying. There's no way. But wouldn't that be so great? It would be something else, yeah. I mean, what would happen to them, then? What would happen to their family? Would they just install a new husband? (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I would love like, to know. Uh, I would love to Nick, know the answer. you're Fred now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. I would love to know. Or maybe they have her go live with the guy who's in charge, who works, who Nick works for. Is he not married? I don't know. <gasps> they don't show anything. Mm, interesting. This is a terrible idea. This is like my one of my predictions that I'm sure is wrong. But I would love to You know, to in the that. writer's room, they're like, hmm, I was listening yeah. to this podcast. That girl had a pretty <laughs> listen, good idea. Listen. Let's kill uh, Fred. If you need any, <laughs> I'm free. I'm available. Um, I am very cheap to hire. Like, Just anytime episode anyone 11, has any questions. Fred, Fred dies. <laughs> Most of my contributions will be, what if we just killed him? Aunt Lydia <laughs> dies <laughs> no i think on lydia says but i to your question i i don't i want on lydia almost to say stay a villain because right now we don't actually right. have and i get that like the villain is the system blah 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 but like as a show you kind of need emblems of that villain yes i agree and, and i, I also agree think that, that like disaster. you know yeah. i think they have done a really good job of making it very clear that you can have people who maybe in other sort of situations are likable and are charming and are interesting and you know don't seem that bad and then when <sighs> or the like opposite happens, where you know they're unlikable in their previous you know like i feel like one of the things that's right. great about nick's backstory is like he's kind of nothing in the previous world and now he's 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 also seems like nothing because he's like just a guy who lives above a garage, but actually he's quite powerful. So I think um, people are not like what they appear in this world. And I think that it's been really interesting to see Fred and Nick contrast it because Fred is presumably the the sort of powerful guy, right? But we see now actually in her um, interactions with him privately where he talks about work or she flatters him, he seems like a mid-level manager, right? Like he seems like a guy who comes home and is like loosening his tie at the end of the day. Um, doesn't seem particularly like, I don't know. He's not working that hard. He's not very passionate. Okay. Let's yeah, I do think, yeah, I do think he, I, I'm going to stick with my prediction that he dies. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> that's episode seven of the Red Center. Thanks for listening. Subscribe or rate us on Apple Podcasts or find more ways to subscribe at theoutline.com. We'll be back in a week and every week for new episodes. I'm Laura June. I'm Rose Eveleth. Under his eye. Under his eye.